Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of All Things Marketing and Education. Today, I'm really excited to be talking with my friend, Nick Provenzano. Nick has been an educator for over 15 years. He's taught English, social studies, runs makerspaces. He also has roles in technology integration. He's a technology integrator and makerspace director currently at University Liggett School in Michigan. He's also an author, an international keynote speaker. I could go on and on (laughs) on everything you do in education, Nick. He writes on his website, thenerdyteacher.com, and where I know him from, edutopia.org, as well as other outlets. And then lastly, he's also been recognized for, for a thing or two. He has been recognized as the Technology Teacher of the Year by McCullen Isti. He's a Google certified innovator, a Spiro hero, a microbit champion, ASCD emerging leader. Oh my Lord. Stop, stop, stop. You can go, don't, you have been don't doing do all a that. lot of things. So <laughs> I tell you all of this because I do believe Nick has a more comprehensive, rounded view of education. It's very different in education when you can be an author, you can be a speaker, but you're still on the ground making and doing an in education every day. So this is why I'm very excited to talk to my friend, Nick. Nick, welcome. Is there anything else you want to add to this this robust resume that I ran No, off? but I, I know, but I now I kind of understand why I feel so tired all the time. I mean, geez. Uh, it kind of explains it, but uh, yeah, it's it's always so weird to have people like sort of read your resume off and you do things like this. I'm just like, I, I sound fancier than I am. I'm just, I'm not just an average teacher. I just do things and I like to keep myself busy and I've just fallen backwards into, you know, uh, relationships and partnerships and right people at the right place. And, you know, uh, starting with, you know, our first introduction back in 09 uh, with Edutopia. I mean, really, that's where things started for me. Um, you know, I started my website um, was right around then at the same time. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to write. And I'm going to get on Twitter because that's a new thing. And it's not a, you know, toxic fire pit at the moment. So let's just go and, you know, hang out there and teach you just to hang out. And I joined in Ed chat and uh, next thing you know, I sh- you guys reached out at the time when you were with Hedgetopia. It's like, hey, how would you like like to write a, you know, a piece for us? And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And that's really what got the ball rolling for me and really fulfilled a major dream for me. Uh, growing up as a kid, I always wanted to work for Star Wars. And while a George Lucas found, a nonprofit educational foundation, for me, is basically the same thing. So... That was like one huge checkbox uh, for me. Uh, <laughs> that's part of my life's goals. So uh, for that, I still owe you a very big thank you. But 
no, it was, it, it was from there that uh, allowed me to be seen by just a different audience in, you know, with what Edge of Champions Mission was and, you know, definitely a national, international group of people seeing that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, though, I'm still a guy that gets up and goes to school and lesson plans and works directly with students and tries to innovate with them and tries things and fails and tries again. And, you know, it's, it's been an interesting adventure. I definitely didn't see myself here finishing, uh, ed- educational, uh, classes in 2001, 2002, that this is where I would be. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to be here and share, you know, whatever my two cents is actually worth. Yeah. I think that all of that is amazing and true but you're also being humble. And I know that it's a characteristic of a lot of people, especially in education. I I do reflect on the days early on in Twitter when, you know, my previous colleague, Betty Ray at Edutopia and I would just be on the Twitters and we'd hang out in EdChat and we'd talk to people like you and we would say, what you are doing is truly innovative. Um, And it's not average. It's freaking amazing. And we would DM you and say, write for us. And you're like, really me? Like this, I had the same conversation with you, um, you, Pernille Rip, Tom Whitby, all of these people that are just fantastic educators. And so I believe, sure, it's timing. There's a little bit of luck in all of these things, but it's your quest to be this lifelong learner in it all. You know, you keep trying, you just keep going. You're teaching in the middle of a pandemic. You're keeping going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I, and good or bad, I, 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 I like to keep busy with things in mind. And part of it is my own anxiety where my brain is just constantly racing. And so to, to, to keep the stupid voices uh, occupied, I, I, I busy myself with, with work. Uh, and so, you know, that's just part of how I, you know, so to speak, self-medicate, uh, as, as I deal with, you know, anxiety and things like that. Um, you know, it's easy. I could just to consume media, to, to, to look at, it, it just keeps me preoccupied, uh, in, in a positive way. And, you know, I, I, I remember things like that, um, that I look up and read and, you know, the internet is, is vast and sometimes you have to do some, you know, deep sea diving to get to the, the, the pearl, so to speak. Um, you know, and, and it's, and again, but sometimes you, you have duds. So that's, you know, one of the things I always tell people when I, I'm presenting is that, uh, no organization ever accepts my proposal of uh, everything I've done that was terrible. Like no one wants to watch an hour on that, but I have hours of that. I have so many hours of presentation material on all the things that I've done that were terrible. Um, but, you know, so that's always, you know, for me, I try to share my failures as, as much as I can just because, uh, you know, I don't want people to believe that everything I do is gold. And that's just, you know, so far from the truth. And so, when people ask me to share, you know, I'm always like, I'm going to be honest. If things weren't awesome, you're going to hear how they weren't awesome. Or if they were, you know, great, but I'll, I'll write about great, but, but that's, you know, sort of my approach. Uh, Cause I just, I don't know. I feel like that's what your traditional teachers just want to hear. Like they, you know, your, your teacher that's in the classroom right now, they don't need to hear 
um, the fluffy white feathered, you know, white glove version of what the world looks like right now in the classroom. No, it's a hot mess. And we're all just struggling to get by and, 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 and accomplish the very best that we can. And uh, I think being real in those situations, I think a lot of teachers will feel better. And I think there are definitely some people that you know, share out the, everything's great. Like you do your best and, you know, we're in it for the kids and, you know, uh, all of that crap, but it just drives, it just drives me insane because it's just not, first of all, a lot of it comes from people that aren't in the classroom, which is super convenient to say how for the kids it is. And, you know, you have the book that you're going to sell for the teachers that are for the kids and, you know, you're not in the classroom. So, you know, that, those are the things that drive me nuts, you know, and just because I'm in the classroom doesn't mean I have all the answers, uh, but I definitely have a different insight to the people that are trying to tell you to, you know, show grit or whatever educational buzzword is out there, um, for the kids and, you know, yeah, it's for the kids, but I have my own child at home too. And I have a wife and I've got a family that I also have to support and take care of. And, you know, burning myself out for the kids means that I didn't do it for my kid, which means I'm not doing it for my, it's a whole big, you know, paradox. If it's for the kids and you have a kid, that doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's different and it's tough. And, you know, the best things in life are, are difficult. You know, I've always sort of like was taught that and, you know, the sense of accomplishment you feel after, succeeding with a group of kids or a student that was struggling or the sense of like defeat when you know you don't reach that kid or you've done something that upset a student you know somehow like you know i carry that like guilt and anxiety with me if i feel like i've really failed or not met the expectations that i hold for myself um and it's not easy you know some teachers wear their heart on their sleeve and some can really shut that down and you know compartmentalize and it's 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 not easy um you know it's i think it's important for teachers to know that other teachers struggle with it and that it's okay to talk about it and to find the spaces uh, locally or through the web to connect with those people and, and sort of share those those insights yeah i just came across a tweet. I think I'm I'm one of the few people that are on Twitter quite a bit still. Um, Amanda Dykes actually had a Facebook post, and she's like, "Is anyone even on Twitter anymore?" I'm like, "Yes, I am." <laughs> but you know, there's a ton of educators on Twitter. They might not mm -hmm. be the original educators that started EdChat and things like that. But I went on today and I saw an educator talk about or talk about a colleague how they heard the. I think the, the district next door was like talking and trying to find this educator. And we're like, where are you? Where are you? They're 20 minutes late to class. And the educator was sitting in her car wondering if she's going to go to class. And she finally waited 20 more minutes and just gave the keys and said, I, I can't do this. And it was the story that just hit me hard on Twitter. And I know that that's not a, uh, an exception at all. It happens across the country probably all the time, especially right now in a pandemic. But just the way it was talked about and then the heartfelt comments after it still gives me goosebumps. And I, I know that you are a veteran educator, but right now every no one's a veteran educator. It feels like we're all just figuring it out. But Laura Bradley, who is an Edutopia facilitator and an amazing uh, 
previous middle school English teacher now does like digital media, media literacy. But she was saying, you know, at least I've built a, a foundation to figure out how to deal and navigate the system a little more. And so she's trying to even work with more new teachers right now. But if you had to give some new teachers some advice, I know it's quite hard blanketed, but like maybe share what's uh, been you through. Yeah. Um, I, it's one of those, uh, you know, this grizzled vet sort of like world that I've sort of like evolved around myself is that I didn't see myself becoming this grizzled veteran. I'm close to 20 now, like I have over 15, but I'm at year 19 right now. Um, I didn't realize it until it was gone, but um, I had a mentor without knowing I had a mentor. Um, my mentor was the school, he ran the school newspaper, was an English teacher, and his name was Jeff Dardoni, and he was, like, known across, like, the country for being, like, one of just the very best uh, newspaper uh, advisors and instructors. Like, he present like, sort of like how we do ed tech presentations, and, like, like they have, like, their national journalism one, like, he present like, he did all that stuff, but that, like, he was just the most grounded guy in the world, and he took me under his wing and just he showed me how the sausage was made and showed me how to navigate that and how you're gonna have big feelings about certain things and there are certain things worth having big feelings about and then there are certain things that are not because who you are you're not in a position and especially we uh a previous position that i am now uh union school uh, Union District, and you know, he would say things like, "Nick, you're not tenured yet. You do not show up to these things because they will just fire you." And he, you know, he looked out for me by like telling me, "Like, listen, when you are tenured, like, I know you want to be involved, but we need to protect teachers like you, who you know are going to do things later on, and just navigating parents and administrators and." Um, he got me involved. Like I helped create the website for the school newspaper. So there's like a, a school website that we created. So uh, there's like a digital version of this newspaper that is uh, one of the uh, only weekly newspapers by a high school left in the country. Um, and uh, he passed away at the start of a year during uh, um, due to uh, cancer. And um, I had to, with the, um, co-advisor at the time we had to like put together like a memorial um issue where people from like who've had them for 15 years ago were sending in pieces made an organ it was like this whole big thing um and it like didn't hit me until afterwards right because you're so like in it like things don't hit you until later um but like there was like this moment where i totally felt lost like this was the guy i went to like this was you know, I'd walk by his room and I'd pop in and be like, hey, this is going on. Like, what do you think? And we'd like shoot the crap or sometimes you're like, hey, like, shut the door. Let's talk about this. And so um, he was a person that to this day still inspires me with his passion and dedication for students and someone that had no problem admitting how flawed they were. Like, yeah, I am not perfect in these areas and I can be better in these areas. And so my advice to do teachers uh, is to find your mentor and uh, recognize that um, before they're gone. Um, I 
uh, close to 20 years now, right? I still need that mentoring. I still uh, need that person that I wish I could like be like, Hey man, like this is what's going on in my class. Like, what do you think? And, you know, luckily now, um, you know, because of the early days of Twitter and the connections I've made with teachers, um, all across uh, the country and around the world, there are people now that I can like text message or I can jump on a video chat and say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling about this situation. Like, you know, am I crazy? Am I, you know, overreacting? And what is that? So, uh, so that's nice. And, you know, and then the teachers I have in my building are great. My, my new position now from a different building. Um, I love the people here and it's, it's great. It's not that, you know, I don't feel like comfortable, but it's, it's definitely weirder when all of a sudden you're, uh, a veteran teacher. It just seems to happen overnight. And like people, kids are turning to you, kids, like these young teachers are like turning to you, they're duck kids. Um, and it's weird because I don't have all the answers and, um, I still feel like, I still feel weird calling like the, the head of our school, like by his first name. I'm like, I still feel like the kid that's still calling the principal by their name because that's what you do like it's just i'm 42 though for like goodness sake like that's you know it's it's still very weird to me to be in a mentoring position but i know that teachers come to me and they ask these questions and i do my best to, to help them but uh for new teachers you have to find that mentor and some schools have programs um and my school did and my mentor she was sweet and everything but I needed, I, I found my mentor. Like I found who I needed, uh, to help me. And I, I encourage all of you guys to do that because, um, whether you're in a pandemic or not, you're going to have problems. You're going to have issues and you need someone that you can trust to go to, to say, I've screwed up. How do I make this better? Or I don't know what I'm doing. Where do I go from here? Um, I think that is what every new teacher, better teacher needs uh, to navigate this professionally and you know, really from a personal mental health space. Uh, you need those people. I'm sorry to hear that. It's, it's a hard loss. So, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about mental health and self-care. And I think this transitions well just because it's the foundation of everything, especially right now. I know since the beginning, honestly, you were probably the top type of educators that were open about mental health, especially as it related to educators in the semicolon movement. How do we all begin to normalize talking about mental health with educators and not like you said, like everything's good, this toxic positivity of just like brushing it off. And that does so much more harm than good. Um, and then yeah. also we have the administrators sometimes. So it's like, hey, teachers do self-care. By the way, this is all the extra stuff we're going to be giving you. So like. Yeah, um, it. Uh, yeah. Huge um, I, like a lot of things I fell backwards into advocating, you know, for the normalization of mental health issues for teachers. Um, so the year that I was recognized as the Michigan Association of Computer Users and Learning, the McCall uh, Tech Teacher of the Year and the ISTE International Society of Technology Education uh, Tech Teacher of the Year, it was all the same year. 
and um, the uh, ISTE event was in San Antonio, and my good friend Tim and I had sort of built this reputation for hosting these parties at bars for like teachers and it's super weird to even say that now about parties or teachers and getting all together in this COVID world but uh, we would find a bar on one of the off days before all the big companies do their parties and we would say hey can we get a discount for teachers to come and drink we're gonna be in town uh on this day and we just want to have people here and we would like claim it as a party and they'd be like yeah sure um so we, it, it wasn't like crazy planning but it was like something we did and whatever um yeah. I have to stop you for a second. Do you remember the party we did in, uh, was it Chicago? Chicago? No, Philadelphia. No, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, when you had the square space saved by the bell trivia. Yes. <laughs> so amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we did the bar crawl. That was our bar yeah. crawl event. Yeah. yeah. And that was uh, another, cra- it was, it was, sorry, four square. Yeah, <laughs> so four square. Cool. Yeah, was, like, yes. Space. Four square, saved by the bell trivia. Yeah, we uh, created stops and check-ins, and it was again, it was a, a park. It was, it was an opportunity, and you know, it's kind of mental health in the sense that we were trying to find things that were just fun for groups of teachers just to sort of do and engage in, uh, because that's, I mean, our whole approach. You know, my friend Tim and I, and we call it, and it's weird now because the the phrase is has has really changed from when we used it, but. Uh, edge bro but we really meant brothers but now the term bro has a very sort of toxic connotation to it which is like which stinks because it was just like we're like two brothers but like you know we met each other online and we're like best friends and that was like a totally harmless thing but it became like a super like toxic phrase and they were like oh we can't use that anymore that's sort of turned into a thing um but it, the san antonio one i i've been i recognize all these words like i'm like on stage and like everything and it was the first time I had a complete um, uh, anxiety panic attack um, publicly. And there was no reason for it. Everything was great in my life. Everything was like wonderful. Uh, oh, it was actually, it was, sorry, it was Atlanta, not San Antonio. It was Atlanta. Uh, Cause now I remember where I was staying. Um, and I had to like shut down. I had to tell Tim like, I have to leave. I have to leave. I'm, I'm freaking, I'm freaking out. I called my wife. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like freaking out. I'm like hyperventilating. And at the end of the event, I was sitting in, it was like an Airbnb or whatever. And I wrote up this post and it's titled, you can find it on my site still. I don't know what to call this post. So it's about depression. Like that's such what the title of, of the post was. And I had battled uh, still depression and anxiety. And I just basically wrote this post saying, you know, this is where I'm at and this is how I feel. And I feel like people don't understand this. And I feel like I'm so afraid. Like, what if, what if like people don't want to work with me anymore? What if people look at me as like a crazy, like I just put all of these things and I found like these great, like a comic that sort of explained anxiety for people that understand it and like depression and, you know, just the things that I do to cope with all of this. And I posted it at like, was super late i remember it was like super super late and all of these posts uh comments came in when people used to comment on blogs because that's like not a thing anymore uh but back in the day uh people like commented or sent me messages like you know a lot of them were me too they were like i i didn't realize that i wasn't the only one or you're not alone and all of this and it was a very sort of just powerful moment one for me to say i'm tired of hiding this i shouldn't be embarrassed of this 
Um, if you see me acting in these type of ways, I go understand like this is where I'm in. If I'm, you know, talking to you, but I'm avoiding eye contact and I'm just sort of like, I seem, you know, distracted. It's because I'm, yeah, I'm fighting, uh, this internal struggle in my, in my brain. And, you know, one of the things I like to say is, uh, depression lies. Um, the whole point of depression, uh, as I sort of like, um, personify it is this just thing that lies to you and it's it's trying to tell you how terrible you are and how much people don't really like you or um imposter syndrome for all of you teachers out there like i am just waiting for any day to get the email from whoever that says hey if we actually thought about it you don't know anything like <laughs> like like sorry like it took us this long but you don't know anything about anything so yeah don't bother contacting us um like these are real things real things that you feel and so um it is a conversation that i am more comfortable having it's a conversation uh about wellness and mental health that we have with students and it's something that i don't hide and i say listen i have anxiety i deal with depression or i'll say oh yeah i was talking to my therapist like it's just normalizing it in terms of how you talk about it and uh, the only way you normalize something is by normalizing it i know it sounds stupid but you, you just have to talk about it and you have to not be afraid and we have to um accept that people don't handle the thing i mean i'm sure in my 20s i would have looked at me like oh he just won these awards and he's having this party and his life is great and he's freaking out like what a loser like what what do you have to be sad over and you know you learn that it's not about what do you have to be sad for like that's not right that's not how depression works it's chemicals and your brain and you know for me is you explore and you learn about your body you learn about how for me dehydration is like a huge trigger uh for uh, depression or anxiety attacks like and when i look back throughout my history of those moments where i felt weird or i didn't that's not how like those were like those early signs of like yeah that was an anxiety attack nick like that's you were 23 and you had one like you didn't realize it you just thought oh this is weird um you know as, as teachers ugh, people love to put up us put, put teachers up on pedestals and then tear them down and then put them back up and you know you're the greatest people in the world oh my goodness how do you teach and these kids have been home with me for three months and oh you're amazing and then it's like get back in the classroom like who cares you'll be fine it's not really that deadly of a disease and what are you complaining about like why are you teaching like don't indoctrinate my kids and like, but teach my kids. And I'm like, do you know what those words mean? And like, if I could indoctrinate your kids, I'd have them be able to write their name on their paper at the top. Like I've been telling them every single day, uh, their educational, it's, it's, you know, it's easy for a teacher to feel dizzy with all of that. And mental health is an issue. And it's, you know, when you talk about teacher burnout, you're talking about mental health, right? Like if you're burnt out, it means you're emotionally done which means that your mental health has gotten to the point where you cannot function in that environment. And so I think people don't equate burnout with mental health, which is unfortunate. Um, burnout almost sounds like quitting. It, you know, it sounds like, oh, they got nothing left to bring to the table. Well, they don't because they're done. Like they don't have the capacity to process any more of how to deal with the situation. Um, and so, you know, I talk about mental health. I talk 
partly why I, uh, making is one of my mental health uh, rejuvenators, like, you know, making, creating. Um, and there's tons of studies that support crafting and creation and whether it's music or crafts and knitting and whatever it is like, like people for decades have known that something like knitting calms them down and they sit and they knit and like they feel better and, you know, or gardening or like, again, it's one of those things like as a teacher where they go studies show that too much homework is bad for kids. And you're like, you need a study for that. Like I could have told you that and saved you like, give me half of a million dollars that you spent on that study. And like, I could have like solved all these other problems. Um, but you know, mental health and taking care of it, you know, is, you know, a, a job of a teacher to be okay with acknowledging it. Um, but also being vocal within your school community in regards to what your administrators are asking you to do, how they're presenting anything. Um, do not be fooled by the, we're all in this together. We're one big family. That's what people say when they want you to do things that they know is probably too much. Um, they're trying to guilt you into, well, I don't want to let the family down. Nope. Uh, what I, I wrote this post forever ago, and I know it showed up somewhere else. Someone had like the similar thought, but like I was on a plane and they tell you, you got to put your mask on first before you help your kid. And, you know, if you can't take care of yourself, how you can't take care of other people as a teacher, if you can't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of the kids in your classroom? If you're not well, if you're not in a good space, uh, that's when things can happen. And if you can't take it yourself, can't take care of your kids, you can't take care of your kids at home. Um, you know, you have to find that space internally or physically uh, where you can take care of yourself because uh, you shouldn't feel guilty for saying, I'm not grading those papers. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy the beautiful view out my window, watch kayakers on the lake or on the, the river and just be happy with that. And, you know, know that they'll get graded and the kids will be fine and the world will still spin and, you know, enjoy those 20, 30 minutes of just you time. And I don't know, it still takes me some time to remember to do that because it's easy to be caught up and be busy and, you know, I'm lucky I'm, I'm with a partner where she likes to remind me, you're doing too much. Take two or three things off your plate. You're at that point where you're not happy. And, you know, I'm lucky I have someone that can help me with that because uh, I would keep myself busy to keep myself busy um, instead of dealing with the issues that I'm having. Yeah. And that's, I, I feel like with a lot of people, not just educators that, but in particular, all the things you brought up, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But the one thing that was different was the hydration. And like, I do that and I know, but that's, that's also a hard part of the job being an educator. A lot of them can't use the restrooms at many times throughout the day too. So they chug water at certain times. I don't, think people understand how emotionally taxing it is to be an educator and then bring in this pandemic now. And then on top of that, we have ed tech companies with all this money influx coming in. They're just out there trying to talk to you all, but you're just trying to survive mentally, physically, academically, all of these things. So how do we help people in this world, this frantic world, where we have even ed tech companies trying to talk to educators, talk to districts, <laughs> what do you see them doing right that you're like, wow, this really helped me. And what do you say, please don't ever do this again? <laughs> um, so there's, there's really, this is weird. It's, and the advice I would, like, I would give myself as we started like these conversations um, 
the, at first being asked to do something is, is still like such an honor again, as utopia want me to write an article, like, Oh, Oh my goodness. Like, you know, this is like so cool. Like I'm so honored and I can't believe this and okay. And then like, I've become like a regular contributor and you know, I used to write like, remember I used to do my nerdy teacher, uh, teacher gift guide. Um, like that was, that was a fun, right. That was like a fun holiday. Like, again, there was, there was this tone like a decade ago where we could just be more fun. Like I just, you know, again, I'm the old man on the porch wishing that we could go back to those days, but there were also tons of problems with those days because there were a lot of people that looked just like me that were the only ones that were writing those pieces, not for Utopia, but in a lot of other places um, that looked like me at the same time experience as me. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that there's just a wide variety of diverse voices now more than ever. And I think that's good, but like I've always for my site been a place of like, you have to have fun. Like teachers want to have fun because things suck. Like things can be miserable. And sometimes they want, you know, uh, a blog post that's just sort of like silly. It's just sort of like, you know, uh, you know, what, you know, say by the bell character are you based on your teaching style? Like, you know, like stuff like that is okay. And it's fun in telling companies that it's okay to be silly and to have fun and to reach out to those people that can authentically provide that, uh, you know, and that's, you know, the partnerships I've had over the years is, you know, uh, I've always steadfastly just been like, listen, I am very layman's approach with things. Um, research is awesome. And I value the people that love to do their research because they've become doctorates. I go, everything I'm going to share is anecdotal. This is, you know, that's my research. Um, it's going to be very like, this is my gut feeling and how these things work. And I think they work great. And I'm going to share that with you. Um, it's trying to ask teachers to fit a box that's not necessarily who they are, which is, I think, problematic. Um, and it's tough because when teachers are sometimes being first asked to do these things, they're just so excited. They're like, yes, absolutely. Like, I want. I'll change who I am to to do this with you just because how cool is it that I've been asked to do that? Um, and some people, you know, will do that and others, I, and myself, I just said, I don't sound that way. I go, I feel fake writing it. I feel weird writing it. I go, I'm capable. I go, I'm an English teacher. I can sound like anything I want. I mean, if I really want to, but I go, that's going to be painful to write. Um, but also, I think what needs to be done is showing value of the time the teacher is going to give you as a company. And uh, that can be through financial compensation. I mean, it could be through product compensation. Um, but, you know, there's this whole push of like, yeah, you read all of those titles after my name, Sphero, Adobe, and all of those so those are things that I already do. And then they're like, Hey, we got this program or this, or that. I go, oh, it sounds cool. And like, I do the thing. Cause it primarily allows me to get in contact with just other people in a community. That's just like, Oh, I, I will know more people and I can do better and cooler things. Uh, but there are some brands that like want to create it and basically just have a group of people that just create content for free. And like, that's the goal is that we'll give them a sweatshirt and we'll have them create tons of content and they will share it all out for free. And it costs us, you know, as many sweatshirts as it costs 
<laughs> like, and and again, not everyone that does that is bad, and not everyone that does that is 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 great. It's just what is it you're asking for these teachers to do? And if they were non-teachers, would you be paying them in sweatshirts? Like that, like that's sort of how I try to talk to companies and say, listen, I get it, um, but I bring value to what you're doing, you know, just like an employee would. But you're coming to me because an employee that you have can't do what it is that I can do. Just like you're going to these teachers. Like, if you need someone to write curriculum, you can hire someone to write curriculum. Like, you could do that, and it would cost you a nice chunk of money. Or you're just trying to get the same stuff, have it basically tested for free in classrooms, and then you get to claim it as your own. It's like, look at this content. And I go... I go, there's a lot of ethical issues with that in terms of like how, like, you know, for me, I've only ever like signed on to do things like that or stuff that I've already used. Like that's like, I already do these things. And so I've already used it with my kids. So if someone says, Hey, would you mind exploring this or testing this out? I always go, okay, I already use it. I'm like, that's cool. Different way. I'm like, I'll test that out. Um, You know, that's something for me and any stuff that's like, you know, compensate that goes to the students, it goes to the school. Like it doesn't like, it's not, you know, mine, um, you know, it's about how do you compensate these teachers that are really doing heavy lifting for um, big companies with big budgets. And that's tough. I would say you said two things is one is like recognizing that time is valuable. Educators' time is extremely valuable. So that's one thing. And two, educators can do things that you cannot physically do. You need an on-the-ground perspective about project-based learning. I need someone to talk in depth how they use this product in in a makerspace. Someone on their team cannot simply do that. So I think I always say 100% you need to reward educators for their time and do it financially. Don't give them a $5 Starbucks gift card and be excited when an educator accepts. So Mm -hmm. as an educator, if you're listening to this, please, your time is valuable. Please do not say yes to everything. You know, Nick talked about the, the dangers of saying yes and how exciting that is to be asked in the first time. But if you're an education brand, please go in highballing educators so if mm-hmm. you know an educator is going to say yes to $50 for a blog post, please offer them at least 100 bucks. You know, their time is valuable and, and recognizing that they're providing something distinctly valuable. And that was what mm-hmm. really, I, I know this and I've seen brands go all over the spectrum. They're like, oh, they'll just want a $5 gift card to Starbucks. That's great. Or a sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're oh, saying and- yes doesn't mean you should do that. Yeah. And, and teachers, and the, we're so easy to take advantage of because we're not compensated uh, in the traditional manner, you know, right? Like that's just sort of how it is. And also we are humbled by nature, uh, you know, Oh my five Oh, that's a coffee. Like, thank you. Like, so like, cause we're so used to not having, like, we're so used to like, just being like, you know, like, Oh, you don't get this. Or, you know, that's just like, we don't have the budget for that. I'm like, Oh, I understand. Okay. I'll make do what I can like, you know, it's, that's just the normal system of things. And, um, you know, you can, uh, even long-term to the ed tech companies, it's not even a big budget hit for you. I mean, that's like the crazy thing. I'm not saying hire these people on as full-time salaried employees. 
like you know you're not paying these people with benefits and stuff or it's like hey we want you to write five blog posts here's five hundred dollars and you know boom there you go or wow like these got lots of traction and you know boom here's like seven hundred fifty dollars because you know the engagement was huge or you know want to write a lesson great here it is here's 250 bucks for a lesson like you know grand scheme you would definitely be paying more to hire someone to create that content that wouldn't be as authentic uh on top of like all of those things and so that's that's just sort of what i tell people and you know it'll be awkward at first teachers it's awkward it's awkward when i finally have to say so we had a great conversation but we have to talk about compensation now like you know i've just had tons of these great ideas you know so we started that conversation but now we have to talk about how will my time be compensated to create and do these things and you know there have definitely been companies that are like shocked by that but, oh well i just thought we were talking ago we were just talking and now if you want those things to happen this is what it, you know what it's going to cost for me to do those things now I'm, listen if you don't want me to do those things do you just want those ideas good luck like you're not you know like that's just you know you know one of the things i've learned over time is that you can't give them everything because sometimes they'll just be like oh well that's all we need it was just a conversation and so uh you know i've been doing this long enough to know that you know you need to have those conversations early and say hey you know i'm happy to talk with you just to get a sense of what we're both you know able to want to do or connect with uh but like after that like you have to say okay if you want to keep meeting what is it that we're going to do in terms of compensation? Because one, I know what your company is and I have a pretty good idea of what you're pulling in like annually. So like as a teacher, do your research. Okay. If, if Microsoft's like, Oh, I don't have the money. You know, you should probably think twice about Microsoft saying, I don't have the money to pay you 250 bucks for a blog post. Like, you know, really you don't, or, you know, even startups like, you know, try to just be real and just say, listen, this is what it's going to take me to do. This is how much time I'm going to be missing with my family. And that, that's what I say. I go, listen, this is X amount of hours away from time with my son. That's what this is worth. And I only have so many hours that I schedule to be away from my son and my wife to do these things. And so it's valuable to me. And once it fills up, that's filled up. So if you take too long and I'm working with someone else, I'm working with someone else and that's just sort of how that goes. And so, uh, I, I know I'm by no means the norm. It, it, you know, the average teacher, uh, I imagine they're just reaching out, they do something that's fun and they go about their lives. But this is something that, again, I hate to say brand and it's weird. And, you know, I know this is sort of what you guys do, but I, I'll, I'll never refer to myself as a brand. It's just strange. I'm a teacher and I just I was the nerdy teacher just because I thought it would be a funny title for a blog and because just plain nerdy teacher was already taken on Twitter. That's why the does there. That's it. So for all of you people that constantly tweet me and are upset that I don't respond, it's because you're tweeting nerdy teacher who is a lovely teacher in Iowa who just gets tons of my tweets. Uh, but I'm the nerdy teacher only because the uh, was needed because someone already exists. And so uh, you don't have to be a brand. I, I get so excited when we're at parties and we're at ISTE or one of the ed tech conferences. Mm -hmm. I have you both at the same party. <laughs> it's like right? the nerdy teacher, nerdy teacher. Same uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first time we met, it was super funny. I was like, Oh man, like you got there first. She's like, I know. And she's like, but you've got all these followers. And I'm like, I know it's weird. And I just didn't, again, I didn't, expect this 
to be a thing. My first post was like, so I'm starting a blog. I'm getting my master's and I think this will help with it. So we'll see where this goes. That was it. And here I am now talking with you on a podcast, written like five books or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's weird. Strange. It's weird. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think going back to the, the ed tech conversation, just to wrap it up, is it fundamentally starts from a belief of knowing your self-worth. And I think mm-hmm. you know educators struggle with that, especially when it's like new and shiny and someone's approached them. But just just take a deep breath and really like if society, if you feel like your your district isn't valuing you, it doesn't mean what you're doing isn't truly innovative and amazing. And sometimes you're just doing the best you can, and that is amazing in itself. But when someone asks you to do something, start with knowing your self-worth. Mm-hmm. Then you can have the conversations and please beware of all the pick your brain conversations where we have an company asking you about their product or just how it likes their space. That is so valuable from a marketer standpoint. We pay people in focus Mm -hmm. groups quite a bit of money to do that. So I hope this is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the tough thing. Like, um, there are definitely, if this is something you do or want to pursue as an educator, and if you want to do this because you want to leave the classroom or because you're, you're looking for just something to fill a spot in your day or whatever, because you like doing this, um, I mean, you'll learn. Like there are things that there are friends or people that I've worked with. I mean, um, so you, you, I mean, you and I both know Clara, right? You know, Clara, uh, we've known her, right? She started off at, at Utopia and, um, you know, she's worked at a bunch of great companies and every single space she's gone to, I've worked with her somehow, like ever since Edutopia. And, you know, you'll, you'll develop relationships with these people. And, you know, so, you know, she's with Adobe right now. And if she ever, like she, she has like messaged me like, Hey Nick, would you be interested in doing absolutely like, I'll make the time for that. Like you form relationships because you're a teacher. And for me, it's all about relationships. Like I'll do anything for the people that I've worked with. And so, um, one of the things in the ed tech space that people might not know is just how much movement there is in spaces, especially if it's a startup, they get their feet wet there and then they maybe move to a different space or a different, like, so like some of these people I've worked with a lot of different companies, but you've developed that relationship like, Oh, we can count on Nick to do this, that, or the other. And they know what those expectations are. Um, so former relationships is, is important. And so I'll give leeway to friends, but they also know how valuable the time is. And so they know that when they're having this conversation, that if we're going to do something that like, listen, we got to compensate them like that's, you know, and so if you do that enough, you feel that that confidence just to say like, Hey man, like we need to talk about it, but we need to talk about this. Like, and they're like, Oh yeah, like we should have, like it's on my radar. Like we're going to take care of this and we're going to do this. I'm like, sweet. Awesome. Uh, but you have to you have to advocate for yourself. Yeah, you know, we tell our kids to advocate for themselves all the time, and we we need to advocate for ourselves and say, you know, this is what this is. And they'll either say, well, our budget is this, and then you go, okay, I can do it for that. But next time, you know, I really need to be here uh, because of all the things that I have going on. And they'll either go cool or they'll go, it's all dependent on our budget, which is usually what it is. And so, uh, but if you bring a lot of stuff to the table and the SEOs and all those data things and analytics stuff that uh, companies use, um, if you bring in those numbers, uh, they'll come back and they will ask you to do more things. And so uh, that's it. Like, that's like the advice to give is like you said, value who you are and don't be afraid. Um, my dad, uh, my dad is a, is a doctor and, nephrologist and uh, apparently 
a big time nephrologist when I was growing up. I had no idea. Like the most humble human being in the world. Like turns out he has his own Wikipedia page. Like that's like how big like I didn't know this until like my high school teachers were like telling me. Um, but he does like consulting. He did like these things. And I said, you know, I asked him when people started asking me like, what do you charge? Like the first email I ever got was like, what do you charge to do this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like no one's ever asked. <laughs> like I'm a teacher. I have a contract. Like, what do you mean? What do I charge? And I remember I go ask him, he goes, Oh, well, I just kept saying a higher number until people stopped calling and goes in the, he goes, and then that's what I was worth. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's about as simple of a logical approach to a situation. Just keep going up until someone says no. And then you go, okay, I'm right around here. And I'm like, that's brilliant. I go, I, I go, I could do that. And so, uh, you know, for teachers, you know, do the same. I mean, if it's your very first one, just like do it just for the experience. Like, you know, I did like, you know, it was just like, okay, fun. Like I'll do that. And you know, you, you go from there and you know, your worth, I mean, will be determined by, you know, the, the interactions that you get afterwards. So, um, you just have to have confidence and as teachers, it's tough because we have zero confidence in in these type of things that ourselves, but, um, it's worth it in the sense of accomplishment and just like, I don't know, the people I've met because of it, um, has changed who I am as a teacher and, and definitely, um, impacted how I teach with my students. And I think my students are better off uh, because of it too. Yeah. And you have a combination of you blog regularly, you speak at conferences, um, you're part of communities of products. And this is all just not for, like you said, a brand. This is just how you're kind of on your path of learning. Like I can tell you when I started blogging regularly here, I didn't realize how much deep learning I was missing, how much I could really quote unquote nerd out on topics. Like I've been mm -hmm. really into like hashtags on social media lately. And I never had the time to do that. But when you get to blog, when you get to speak, when you get to do webinars, that takes you to another level of understanding and depth that is, it's not all about working with brands and this and that. It's just about really loving what you do and going deeper at times. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. It's so bizarre. Like I've, I've had a chance to go to Singapore and present with teachers over there. I'm going back to Iceland next month, uh, to work with teachers out there. And I said this, I was interviewed by a college student in New Zealand on Wednesday, uh, afternoon. And she asked like a question about sort of like this, like, you know, what's the value as a teacher of like connecting with other teachers and, I said, it's the, it's actually culturally very interesting to talk to educators from vastly different cultures than, you know, American Midwest, right? Let's just, you know, that's where I'm at, American Midwest, it's where I'm at, I'm in Michigan, um, to talk to teachers from like New Zealand and culturally, you know, how education is valued or um, East Asian countries, like, you know, when I was in Singapore or, you know, Nordic countries in Iceland, like it's all very different culturally what the emphasis of education is and where it lies and that influences what teachers do right like that's all part of that culture and so when i get to connect with teachers from alabama and how education is culturally addressed down there and how teachers are treated uh, from a cultural standpoint in san francisco or down in florida or in maine um, you know, in the UK, you know, it's all so very different. And it's funny because as teachers, we all have the same goal, no matter where you are, 
we're trying to support these students. So, you know, part of this for me has always been, I don't know, trying to fill that bottomless pit of like knowledge, you know, uh, I want to know, like I, there's, you know, it's, 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 maybe it's my white whale, you know, looking for, you know, the solution, you know, the answer, um, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't exist. I know that, but you know, there's more out there. And I think mm -hmm. if you're open to the fact that there's more out there than what you do, you can be that real lifelong learner in, you know, I have so much to learn still in so much, you know, to, to, to hopefully bring to students that you have to be okay with saying, I don't know yet. And I want to learn and hopefully I'll get there. Uh, because as a teacher, if you can't be there, I don't know how you can expect the students to be there. Yeah. And what you said, I think culturally we, it might inhibit us in the beginning to reach out. Um, and some people value connections and PLN, so personal learning networks more than others. But I remember a moment I went to Doha and I was with um, Tom Whitby and Steven Anderson and mm -hmm. we sat in this circle with educators around the world. And we figured, you know, they're from Africa, they're from the Gaza Strip, they were from places that are completely different from, you know, the United States where we were kind of representing the East Coast and West Coast. And we just talked about classroom management. <laughs> And not just like like specific classroom management from their area. It was the fundamental basics. And that was that moment where it didn't really matter where you were. A mm -hmm. lot of the challenges have commonalities. Yeah. And so that was this light bulb moment of, you know, if you feel like you're going to connect with an educator on Twitter and they might not know, turns out like you have a, a foundation that you can help and grow with each other and adapt to your own environment. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a message I hope people can hear from this. And what I share when I travel is that how valuable that is. And so, uh, you know, that's just what we're hoping to see with everyone and what you try to pass on to students and how valuable it is to recognize other cultures and how they do things. And, you know, we can all learn from that as, as sort of a, an approach to this sort of global attempt at learning. Um, you know, if we see more of our commonalities than our differences, uh, things will be better. Awesome. Well, I know you've spent a lot of time with us so far, and this is a Friday, and this is a long week for you. I really appreciate it. Um, I want to give you one rapid-fire question. Okay, go for it. It's helpful because it doesn't have to be related to education, the answer. Okay. Um, I know I'm building this up, and it's actually a pretty generic question at this point. Um, it's Okay. It's all about inspiring. So when we talk about mental health, we need things that inspire us daily. What in particular have you ran across that you were like, this has me very excited? Like it could be reading, it could be watching something, but what's got you really inspired right now? Uh, oh, this is such a sappy answer. Um, my wife inspires me every single day. Um, she gets up and goes to work and runs the household and takes care of our son and her mom and I'm working and she's working and sometimes she's at home and traveling is just like, you know, uh, she gets up every day and I've told her, I'm like, there are so many days that you've had, I'd be in the fetal position. Like I wouldn't, like I wouldn't be doing anything. Um, my wife is my inspiration. And you know, what I tell the kids sometimes in class is that, you know, the fact that you got up and you came here today, that inspires me. 
because it's so easy for us just to stay in bed. And so uh, you showed up today and I'm proud of you because it's so easy not to. And as someone that deals with depression, and anxiety, there are plenty of those days where I do not want to get out of bed. I do not want to face the day. And um, they do. And these middle schoolers that I see and some of the high schoolers that I see, they get up and they are here. And sometimes that's as much as they can give, but that's such a huge success to me. So um, that inspires me. And so, you know, my wife uh, will never believe it when I say it, but um, she is my inspiration on a, on a daily basis. But um, other than that, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso is my inspiration. So outside of that, it's, it's Ted, it's, it's, it's Ted and every single day. And it's the best part of Friday is I get me some Ted today. So I'm really excited for some Ted Lasso. So that's in terms of fiction, it's Ted that gets me through, um, you know, those days and, you know, the end of season one, the hope that kills hit, very hard uh for me in terms of that it's true it's it's you're sad you're depressed because you had so much hope and so as a teacher uh, i related to that because sometimes you have the biggest hopes for lessons or students and it doesn't work out and it kills you even more uh because you were so hopeful so um so those th those are my answers one sappy and realistic and you know the other one is just it's it's friday and it's head lasso day and i couldn't be happier we just gotta believe right Right. <laughs> Gotta believe. <laughs> All right, Nick. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out, say hey? Any yeah, you can. Resources you want to share with the group? We can put it in our show notes. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Nerdy Teacher. Um, so you can find me there. That's where I'll post and share different things. TheNerdyTeacher.com is, is my website. And then if you go to Amazon and, and search Nicholas Provenzano, you can find my four books and then my audio book on uh, Curious Children. Uh, you can find that through uh, through Audible. So uh, any of those places. And, and don't hesitate to reach out. Send me a message. Like I said, I work uh, with uh companies i work with schools i work with just individual teachers that have questions like you know i don't discriminate uh you know i, I love just a teacher has a question so you know for those of you out there who think oh my god you know provenzano is going to charge me to answer a question about makers no like that's not some people like i'm not that guy i know there are people who are totally like that like i get it that's like their job but if you're like hey i have this question about using makey makey like what do you think i'll be like "Ooh, let's talk about makey makey like i'll be super excited like i'm happy to talk to teachers about that type of stuff all the time as long as you share uh i am totally on board so uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me I, I love connecting with new people and you know my brain is always thinking how can we get our kids to work together like that's generally what i, my, I i'm thinking about when teachers reach out I'm like can we get them to work together how cool would that be so uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, I'm always happy to connect and, and, and learn from you uh, as much as I hopefully can uh, give you some knowledge as well. That's awesome. And, and for everyone, we have show notes for each episode. This show notes will be at leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash four. So all the links that Nick's talking about, the, the specific links to his book, some of the blog posts he mentioned, we'll put them in the show notes for you to make it nice and easy. So thank you, Nick, so much for sitting down with us today, sharing your wisdom, being okay with talking about stuff that's just ridiculously hard. And right now it's the hardest time for, for everybody, but especially educators. So I thank you for taking the time in your busy day. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit leoneconsultinggroup.com.
com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends, so please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.